Good morning, church. Thank you. Well, I am standing strong by the grace of God, but it honestly, it's been an emotional, uh, exhausting week. I was thinking, you know, I've slept pretty good this week. Why am I so tired this morning? Uh, we've lost, and looking at some families here, other people have lost loved ones recently, and grieving is emotionally exhausting. Our country is celebrating a lot of heroes, and that brings up grief and mourning again, and, um, and we have a lot of heroes to honor. It was my privilege to be one of those that spoke of Jim Price, our beloved brother. Uh, yesterday, and I've thought of that term several times about Jim since he passed from earth to heaven and eternal life, a beloved brother, a beloved friend, a beloved father, a beloved husband, because he loves so well, so genuinely, then that, that came back, that reciprocated back you know, to him. And, and he is well-loved by so many people. But it was a celebration of, of him and, and honoring what God's work has done in his life and that he is in heaven uh, actually enjoying himself very much. <laughs> so even if we want him to come back, I don't think he would, he would uh, be willing to do that now uh, is, is how wonderful all that is. Let us pray as I want to pray over this message. It's a very important message as we look at one of the Lord's key parables for us. Let's pray. Father, we do continue to pray for ourselves that you help us mourn well and that we look to you in our sorrows and in loving one another. We pray that we're able to share our hearts with friends and family and not hide away in our uh, grief, Lord God, but open up to you and our loved ones. Father, we pray, Lord God, <clears throat> that this word today from Matthew chapter 13, that you've designed it to transform us, Lord God, to be a foundation in our spiritual life. Lord, we pray that our ears will be open to you and, Lord God, receive the words, the seed of your word in our lives and hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 13 is a chapter of parables. Parables are stories, illustrations, images that Jesus would tell the masses and he would, they, you know, often, even most of the time to the masses, teach in parables and stories. Because as all good communicators know and try to work out that um, a picture is worth a thousand words. If you can create an image in somebody's mind, particularly one that has a lesson of life in it, a principle, a transforming principle, that, that picture is there suddenly. You don't have to say all thousand words. Instead, it's just there that quick, and it sticks with you. And that's what Jesus did in this chapter, uh, just back-to-back 
parables. But he did this so that people could walk away with this picture, even if they didn't understand it, even if they didn't, couldn't apply it, even if the Holy Spirit wasn't bringing it alive to them that day, they would still have the image. And God could bring it back later when they're ready, when their heart was ready. And I want to tell you today, the Holy Spirit's in you. If you're a child of God, either watching online or recording or here today, if the Holy Spirit's in you, you can apply this principles of life today. You have the teacher in you to take these stories and illustration and make them real and apply them today. And so I'm expecting that all of us will be walking away from here with something from the Lord in his word today that he intends to be transformative. I'm going to, as I get into the message, focus on the first parable of this chapter 13, and it's called often the parable of soils or the parable of the sower who's sowing seed. Last week, and even I referred to this parable a couple of weeks ago, the parable of the tares, wheat and tares, David Rock uh, got into last Sunday, and I encourage you to watch that message if you haven't. And David made it clear, very clear that all of these parables are to describe and get us an understanding what the kingdom of God is like. And that phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And Jesus has given us images and principles of how all this works. And, and, and last week with the principle of the wheat and tares, it's, it's about uh, this in, intense scene where uh, during the night, an evil one had sowed uh, seeds of wheat, of, excuse me, weeds of, called tares at night. And they didn't know till later on when the wheat was growing that, oh, goodness, it's mixed in with tares. What do we do? And the master of the, of the land said, leave them Let, because we don't want to tear out from the roots, the good roots of the wheat. Just leave them. And that lets us know that, yes, there is a time, there is a season where there's an intensity of evil rising with the good. And that as God's kingdom come, while God's kingdom is expanding and advancing, there is this evil advancing. Folks, are you ready? Are you ready for this intensity? We thought it was bad last year. It's just getting more intense, isn't it? And in this parable, there is this lesson that we get this of life, this principle of the kingdom, that the kingdom of God is increasing no matter how intense the evil rises. So people be, let's just be honest, be, but be encouraged. Yes, evil's rising, but God's kingdom is too, if not more so. And we need to have our faith set on that and not get down on what we see that is discouraging, but realize that God is on the move. And you have all you need by God's grace in this season. See, it says in Matthew 11, uh, verse 12, that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. It's an intense time. There's evil rising with the kingdom, and violent men take it by force. So I'm going to encourage you that your heart is ready for this, that God created you and said, I want you to live in 2020 and 2021 and 2022 and 2020. God has a plan for you to live at this time. 
This is God's time. This is God's uh, timing for you to be here on the earth. You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to feel this intensity and your faith rise and say, well, the kingdom of heaven is rising too. So you can have faith like that because you were born for such a time as this. In this uh, this parable of of the tares and the wheat, it says that at the end there will be a great harvest and there will be a a great separation and all these weeds will be thrown in the fire and burned up but the wheat will be harvested and there's this great harvest that will come and, and there's another parable later in this chapter called the dragnet. When they're fishing and the same thing happens, a big net behind the boat, it gets all kinds of fish. Some fish you can eat are good tasting fish and some fish are taste terrible or bad for you. And they have to separate the fish out and throw the bad fish in, in, into that fire and get rid of it. And, and so there's this harvest that God is doing. We, the kingdom of God is like harvest time. It's an intense time. But it's a harvest time, and this principle of the kingdom is at the end of the age, the great harvest includes a great separation of the wicked and the righteous. And so we, we feel this, we sense this, this is global, this intensity, and that God is ultimately preparing and actually doing a harvest before us. God, we want to be part of the harvesters, the laborers, the workers in the harvest fields. We want to be a part of that labor force. It's actually encouraging. In this uh, parable of the tares and wheat, it says, Matthew 13, 43, I used this a couple weeks ago, I want to remind you that the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So there's an arising within us of righteousness. We shine forth as the sun. S-O-N and S-U-N, whichever one you want to look at it, it's S-U-N here. But Jesus is our, our sun. He is our source of light. But another phrase that's common in the, around these parables is this phrase, he who has ears, let him hear. Everybody check. You got ears? How many ears do you have? Do you have two? Still have two? Good, good. I'm glad you got two. That's good. Yeah, mine, mine are pointy at the top. I've been called Spock many times in my life. They're getting more flabby in the bottom as they get older, more and more weighty and hanging down more. If you have ears, there's still this, this it, it, let them hear. If you have ears, you can. God's given you grace to have spiritual ears, spiritual eyes of your heart. For your heart to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you today. And so, Lord, we we open our spiritual ears to you because we don't want to miss what you have for us today. I actually want to jump later in this chapter. I want to read a few verses, uh, verses 44 through 46, uh, because these two little parables give us a key for all the parables. And it goes like this. It's really simple. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure 
hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. So there is this nature of being in the kingdom where there's this desire in us deeper than anything that we're willing to sell all we have for this great discovery. That this valuable treasure, this valuable pearl, we see the value and we're willing to drop everything and do all we can to obtain it and to have it. Why is the kingdom of God so sought after? Why is it so desirable? Why is the kingdom of God the greatest find of our whole life? Because the king is so exceptional. The leaders of that kingdom are perfect. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the only kingdom you want to be in. You don't want to be in any other kingdom. Because the king is so amazing, our heart's desire is to be in the kingdom of that king. And we're willing to lay it all down uh, once we discover this king, how to have a relationship with him. To lay it all down. And that's the nature of the kingdom of God, of being in his kingdom. It's what Jesus did for us. He's not setting something us that he didn't do before us and where he laid down his life to the point of death, even coming to earth with his great sacrifice, leaving heaven, the throne room, and becoming a man. That was a demotion in a sense, folks. That was a whole other place of entering into suffering as you and I uh, have in human experience. He sacrificed to the point of death for us, gave it all up. And with that obedience to his father, he was given all the power of the resurrection to be king of kings and lord of lords. So another principle of the kingdom from these parables, we find that our deepest joy and greatest find is the king. Uh, In in the uh, celebration of life service yesterday, uh, the family gave us several songs that Jim sang and recorded several decades ago. And one of them was that uh, it, it was talking about what glory awaits me in heaven and, and how amazing all that the heaven is, is with the streets of gold and the city and the light coming uh, out of the throne room and on and on. And he said, but Jesus outshines them all. Jesus is the greatest find of life. He outshines heaven more than anything else. Now, I want us to get into this parable of the soils, and uh, I've entitled this message, 30, 60, 100-fold increase, that this is a, a nature of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, you need to understand this parable to understand the rest of the parables. It literally became my favorite parable when I was a young man, a young believer. And I did. I studied it in all three of the Gospels. It's uh, repeated 
uh, in Mark and Luke as well. And uh, I, I just found that I could always glean from it and go back to it and kind of do an evaluation of my spiritual life with this parable. It really needs to be one that you understand it, your mind can go back to it quickly. I'm, that's what I'm praying for as it becomes a, a crucial uh, parable for your life because that's the way Jesus wants it to be. I'm just going to kind of tell the, the illustration and then we'll break down how Jesus explains each area. But it's, you know, one of those parables from a, a, a farming community, from an agricultural society. And so they understood this very well. And what happens is a farmer goes out to sow seed. And it falls on three different type of soils that are, have negative uh, results and then three soils that have positive results, good results, and crop and harvest. And the first uh, soil that explains he's spreading seed, and uh, as you might have, you know, it's not done by machines or, or apparatus, it's by the farmer, and there's this path, this road along the side of the field, and some of the seed, you know, spreads and, and falls on this hard ground here. And it describes that birds just come on in and, uh, oh, yeah, awesome, free food, let's go for it. And they just gobble it up. And before anything can happen to that seed, it's just taken away. We uh, lived in Lancaster County uh, six years, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Lived, uh, that's the kind of the famous oldest uh, Amish community. It's also a very large Mennonite community. So we would see buggies, gray buggies are the Amish, black buggies are the Mennonite all around our roads. And in our, our home, in the row of houses on our street, in a neighborhood behind us was on a hill. We could see uh, numerous farms in this valley below us. There were small farms, and we could see their silos. I counted 14 or 15 one day on a pretty day. And the roads out in Lancaster County can get curvy and confusing. They don't follow straight lines. They don't go from here to there like the crow's flies. And you can be driving, and all of a sudden, you have to do a complete 90-degree turn uh, on the road like this, and then it does another one, and then you go like that. Because for now, years and years, they were walking and taking their buddy buggies down these dirt paths, and they didn't cut through people's cornfields. They would go around the cornfields. So you have these strange curves in the weirdest places. When they decided to pave it, they didn't go, hey, we're going to put this road through your property and this field and cut up. No, you didn't. You had to go around the edges like they always done for generations and generations. So I can see what Israel is like. And if you drive around Israel, there's fields everywhere. Wherever they can grow something, they're growing it. They, got a, they have a, a growing population. They export, and they're growing the best, most incredible uh, fruit and product that you'll find uh, uh, coming out of the ground. And you see produce everywhere and fields everywhere. So you can see this idea that there is paths around these fields where crowds of people would be traveling and they would be traveling between these fields. And so this was a common scene. They knew exactly what he was talking about. The next soil uh, situation with the seed uh, is thrown in uh, ground that is rocky. It doesn't have a lot of soil mixed in. And 
What happens there is that uh, the roots do go down and searching for some things they can find, and there is uh, a plant growing, but the hot sun, which Israel knew a lot of, uh, would scorch that because it just couldn't get enough uh, nutrients from those shallow roots, and that plant would die, and that crop would die off. Then another soil, as uh, this farmer's planting some seeds and not being careful, there was soil that had thorns in it. And this thorn, uh, these thorns would grow with the crop, and it would get so thick, it would just crowd over and choke out the good plant, uh, though it maybe had a good start even, but it was choked out, and it ended up dying off. And then the last soil is on good soil, where the crop uh, grew 160, 30-fold. And then Jesus later in the chapters explains what's happening here. So that's what we're going to read in these verses. So let's go to verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. In one of the other gospels, it says the evil one is Satan comes and snatches away. Let me tell you, demons hate the word of God. And they know the power of that seed of the word. Jesus describes in this parable that the seed is the word of God. And God is the sower. He's the farmer and he's sowing seed. And this seed is perfect. It can grow if it has the good soil. It's the soil that must, needs the work, needs the preparation, needs to be ready for this perfect seed. And on this ground, it's not good ground, it's hardened. And so it it's doesn't seek in and uh, it doesn't germinate and start growing. It's just, it's just there for the taking. It describes a calloused heart, a hardened heart, a one that's not open to receive. How does a heart get like that? Well, we're born with one if you don't know the Lord. Our hearts repel and the word and our, heart, our, our hearts are hard and, and, and yet God keeps throwing seed at it. Uh, hardened hearts, even for believers, can happen where, where we have sin that we're, God is, is trying to deliver us from and, and He wants to set us free, but we don't, we don't cooperate with Him. There can be a, a hurt or bitterness, that, a hurt that comes, and we don't forgive as a believer. And then we end up turning unforgiveness to bitterness, and our heart can get, start getting callous. And, the, and we're repelling, our heart is pushing away in that certain area of our life. Even for believers, we've got to be cautious of this, of, the, of a heart being calloused as a believer. And we're deflecting God's word. But I want to encourage you today that God can soften hard hearts, calloused hearts. And the one that you're praying for, the prodigal, that says, 
you know, I, I've done all I can and give them the word and, and they've been in church many years ago or that they might even have a new Christian friend, but it seems like they keep deflecting the word out of the hard heart. God can soften hearts. He has done it with all of us who know the Lord. He is the pro. He is the, the expert cultivator of the hardest soil. He knows how to make it ready. And so have faith, have hope for your beloved uh, family member or friend or for your own area. Lord, I, 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 my cal- there's a callousness in a certain area. Lord, I don't want that to stay. Recognize it. Be aware that that area is also an area that that you want the kingdom of God in. You want the kingdom of God in all areas. Remember, Jesus gave his all. He wants you to give your all in all areas of your life and relationships. Lord, forgive me if I'm holding back in an area. I repent. I want you to have freedom in all areas of my life. Let's go to the next soil. Verse 20 and 21 says, The one on whom seed was sown on rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temp- it is temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. This is one of those patterns that we don't want to develop in our spiritual walk with God. Because persecution, these are, uh, th- these are common. These are to life. Hardship, suffering, ridicule, they're just common. Oh, I wish I could tell you once you become a Christian that, oh, Oh, life is so rosy. Everything is just so easy after that. But if anybody promised you that wealth or, or rich success are going to give you, oh, rosy, easy life, that's just as far-fetched as anything. Jesus told it like it was in John 16, 33. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. He did not want to, uh, you know, lead us astray. He didn't want to give us some rose-colored glasses. He wanted us to be sure that, yes, even in Christ Jesus, just in the world living on earth, there's suffering, there's trouble, there's trial, there's tribulation. So what is the purpose? What is the purpose for a root system, for a plant? What's the purpose? In this, this plant, it, it was shallow. It couldn't go very deep. It was searching for nutrients and couldn't find much of it. It would, had shallow roots. It's so that when the wind comes, that plant can stand in the wind instead of just getting knocked over in, its, in a weakness. What's the purpose of the root system? So that when it's dry like a drought season, that it's 
able to seek nutrients, not just uh, on, the, on the surface of the ground, but down deep where there's more um, moisture and, and, and it can get there and say, bring life to that plant in the drought seasons. These seasons of winds and storms and droughts will come. God wants us to have a root system that's ready for that. Lord, prepare us our root systems. I want to encourage you, if this is kind of a cycle that you have found yourself in, let me tell you, God can deepen our spiritual roots. God can deepen our spiritual roots. That's a great quote. Let's get it up there on screen. (laughs) Thank you, bro. This is not a cycle or pattern that you that God has designed for you to live. He has designed for you to bear much fruit and not for it to be wasted and ruined by trials, tribulations, persecutions. So in times when things are going pretty smooth for you, know that you need to study God's word in this area. You're going to feed yourself. You're going to strengthen your root system. Don't wait for the next trial to come, wishing that it never does come. It's just life on planet Earth. That's why we're so happy for uh, Jim and our other loved ones that are in heaven. They don't have that dimension anymore. But in this short life that we have on Earth compared to our eternity, it's just part of it. Some sufferings, the Lord helps us get through. And during it, he is transforming our heart and strengthening our root system. Other sufferings, he's merciful and he delivers us out of it. We experience his power that way. And we grow in faith there and our root system gets deeper. Uh, I've I've heard myself say in the middle of of a tough season, Lord, I don't want to waste this suffering. Give me grace. What do I need to learn? I don't want to miss the lesson here. And then when the wind storms do come and that drought season, season comes, know what you need to do. You need to press into your devotions instead of wane off of your devotions. One of the tricks of, of the temptation of the enemy is to have you push that aside because you're stressed out, because you're tired. Don't let it wane. Call for prayer warriors instead of isolating yourself. No, you, you ask for prayer. Ask me for prayer. Ask Dolores for prayer. We'll find some prayer warriors to gather around you. Do not battle this alone. It is tough. It is a challenge. And in this season uh, where we might even feel weak, by his grace, he is strong through you. And that's the sufficient kind of grace he gives. Let's go to another soil here. Matthew, uh, still 13, verse 22. And the one in whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. For me, this this is the uh, major temptation that I have dealt with. 
And then what would be the area as a young man that I would meditate on and some of the other that there's desires for other things in this life, that uh, there's pleasures of this life. And it's not necessarily a list of evil things, but just things in life, stresses that distract us. It's like the list of distractions, whatever they are in your life, overwhelm you to where now your spiritual life or your spiritual focus is getting choked out by this. Yeah, there was fruit to begin with. Things were growing, but it was a choking that came later. Yes, there was a, uh, a recommitment to the Lord. There was a repentance. Uh, but with these distractions coming from the world, coming from busyness of, you know, who knows, you just name it, the schedules of life, and overwhelm and start choking out the good that started. We need a dose of the gift of Jim Price. I mentioned yesterday how... He, even his wife called him a minister of peace, that he was on a different pace than the world's pace. And he was on a slower pace than me. And when I was around him, I, w- I would need to, I would see this and I would say, you know, Lord, help me here. And I would, I would let that happen. And I would, you know, uh, uh, you know, do what I could to just sit, sit and listen and sit and be a part of this. But God can transform us that worry, anxiety, and stresses do not rule our days. God is bigger than that. He's overcome the world. He says, I give peace. Don't worry, I give peace because I've overcome the world. This pace of the world, this deceitfulness of the world, uh, this worry, anxiety of the world, I'm bigger than that. I'm the overcomer of these things. Listen, get prayer today, uh, not just in your heart. Receive prayer from a friend or from one of us or online. We'll have a prayer uh, call at the end. Listen, get prayer for this. Don't get stuck in a repeated cycle. But ask the Lord to break this cycle. One is by the word of God, this seed, right? You're participating to be good soil now. You're recognizing this is the area you need. That God can mature us out of worry and deception in the world, of the world. He can transform us and mature us from where we are now to a, a, a better place, a more mature place. He says, Jesus said in 14, excuse me, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There's nothing that the world gives or promises. There's no, uh, uh, you know, promise from, the, from drugs and from riches and from, oh, this relationship or this prosperity, this success. It's going to give you peace. Let me tell you, this is a peace that is not anything better than the best that the world can give. Do not be anxious about anything, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God wants us to continually release worries and stresses and those responsibilities to Him and trust Him in those things. Fight for your daily devotions and, and also fight for continually praying during the day. Some people say, well, you know, I, I really kind of just pray as I drive and I, kinda, I pray as I do things during the day. The Bible says to pray continually, and that's right. Lord, cultivate that continual prayers in us that we don't, you want us to cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. But that doesn't mean you don't need a devotional. In fact, they work complementary with each other in your devotional life where you are prioritizing a moment uh, of your days, morning, afternoon, lunch break, evening, whatever it fits, and you're regularly, consistently, daily going in His Word and digging a little deeper and waiting on Him, that is going to propel your, your prayers during the day, and your prayers during the day are going to encourage and build your devotions where that's the only thing you focus on. It ends up being that this sower, God is sowing the word, and he wants us to have that mentality. He is sowing his word in us 24-7. Let us be good soil and receive it. Have open hearts all day and in his word consistently. Let us be that good soil that just, oh, it just thirsts for it, and it can respond and produce fruit. Matthew thirteen twenty three says, And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some hundred and some sixty and some thirty fold. I think this the reason for this thirty, sixty, hundred numbers is to let us know this is this is what it's like that 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 God is working uh you know in an increasing amount in any area rejoice over 30 fold but he's got more rejoice over 60 but he's got 70 there's always more uh work of this fruit of God's expanding fruit in our heart and our lives The mentality of the kingdom is growing, and a couple of other of these parables, they were really short, but in this chapter he says, it's the kingdom of God is, is like a mustard seed. It's so small compared to the other seeds, but yet when it grows, it becomes a big bush, and even it can be so uh, uh, big that you know, birds can make their nests and make their homes that can provide for others. So don't despise small beginnings. Because the nature of, of God's work in us is that he's growing inside of us. Even to where we're, we're providing for others. We're ministering to others. I think this is, this is a, a, these are seeds that grow in us and they grow beyond us. The, the leaven uh, parable where a woman is making bread and mixing the dough up and everything and, and they needed to make bread every day god give us your daily bread and this woman jewish woman mom she 
takes out a lump and puts it down to the side and that leaven in the yeast grows overnight and she uses that in the next day and puts it in the loaf for the next day. There's this continually growing, expanding of God's Word in us and through us. That's where our faith should be. That fruit is growing. It's Don't despise small beginnings no matter how small it is. It's good. Be encouraged by that. It's okay. That's, that's kind of like the, 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 the crisis, the millage age. What do you call that millage crisis that men have and they go buy sports cars? What, what is that called? Am I saying it right? Midlife crisis. And I've, I've had those. I haven't bought any convertibles. Delisa likes convertibles. She, she would have liked that. She would have taken it from me, but... I turned 38. I said, man, 38, that is so close to 40. This is a long time ago, by the way. I mean, you know that. I had a tough year that year because I was getting close to 40. But it was a spiritual midlife crisis. I'm going, Lord, I thought these, the seeds of this word would have produced more fruit in my life by now by the time I was 40. I'm really, I'm, I'm really upset at myself. And I was mad. I was mad. I was down. I was ahead of this little season of discouragement. It lasts about a year. Then God just restored my heart, gave me new dreams, and I got excited. I had a big old 40th birthday party. I had a bunch of guys come over, grilled steaks. I had a big party. But we do. We have to get over discouragement, don't we? Lord, I've tried. I've tried this. I'm, I've been working at this. I, I can't believe I feel so immature in this area. I, I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm still dealing with this. This past year, I turned 55. That's a long way from 40, isn't it? But hey, the number of five, if you know this, is a number of grace. So I, had, I have double grace. I'm living in it right now, so I'm good. So the Lord, oftentimes, he has to break through this, a, really a, a callousness from discouragement. And make that soft, get that callousness soft so that our hearts can be soft again and say, Lord, I'm going to believe again. I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to quit. I got a text this week from a friend in Louisville who's, you know, young in spiritual things and his mom's in ICU in a whole other state and she's doing better now. Thank you, Lord. And he just texted me, and it was just this one sentence saying, I am so, I, I am so, you know, and I can't, I'd, I'd have to look it up, but, it, you know, I'm so discouraged or upset that I'm thinking about giving up. I didn't know what context he meant by that. What did he mean by that? So I, as soon as I saw the text, I called him. I leave a message. I said, I don't know what you mean by giving up. Don't give up. The Lord is with you. He is here for you no matter how hard it is. And I just tried to put as much encouragement on that phone message as I could. I said, I don't know if you're battling suicidal thoughts right now, but I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That is a lie. God has hope for you. And I just left, you know, the best encouraging come against that lie of the enemy. 
as hard as I could, and I didn't hear anything. I texted him later on, and then finally the next day, he said, I'm doing better. Text me the next day, and my mom's doing better. I'm going to ask the praise team to go ahead and come on up and God's principle of the kingdom is God's design is for fruit to grow in and through us. We are a small church in some measurements. Do not despise small beginnings, folks. Church family, even the, the small seed of a mustard seed can grow to, the, to give and provide life for others. Seeds that produce corn, one seed produces how many hundreds? I've looked at this up before. I don't remember because I'm not a farmer. How many more seeds? Farming, this, this whole image of farming and sowing seed, it's always multiplication. It's multiplication. Every farmer stakes their life on it. That God works in multiplication. That you put one seed, it's going to multiply and produce great uh, uh, fruit for, for their family, for, uh, to sell, to be prosperous and to plant some more. It's just a mentality of the kingdom that yes, the fruit that's in you, even if you see it small, listen, it's not. It's a good beginning. It's a good place to start. Add your faith to this for that time in God's word and prayer and let that good soil be more prevalent in your heart. Because the seed is perfect. I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams to be available as well because I just want us to be available for prayer. I'm going to come down here and be available for prayer because I want this to be the day that you break out of whatever cycle that you're in. Any callousness of discouragement, any callousness of, of some either pattern of, of tripping back into uh, uh, being discouraged out of because um, of affliction or... Uh, because of being choked, we want these cycles broken in our life. Every farmer depends on this, and they know they've got to work hard to get the soil ready. So there's some work to do to get that soil soft and ready. Every pastor, every teacher of God's Word stakes their life on it, their ministry on it, not their life, but their ministry on it, that God's Word, when it's being taught, when it's being prayed in prayer circles, when it's being shared in a life group, that it is taking root, that it, your, your roots are growing deeper, and that you're producing fruit. It is, it is just the nature of the kingdom. And no matter how intense it gets when Peter had the revelation 
who Jesus was, that Jesus was the Son of God, the Christ, the sent one. Jesus said to him, I also say to you that you, Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. It doesn't matter what happens with the pandemic. It doesn't matter how bad it gets in there uh, with the spirit of violence. Let me tell you, the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. You have Jesus in you. You have all that it takes. He's putting the perfect word of God in your heart. You're getting deeper roots. You're going to make it, not just make it. You're going to shine like the sun of righteousness and be a part of a great harvest in the end of the age. Let's just seek God in this last worship song. And I want to bless you in just a moment at the dismissal moment. But let's just seek God right now. Feel free to come up for prayer at any time. Holy Spirit, reveal to us where you want us to break the fallow ground, the hard ground. Where you want us to grow deeper roots. Where you want us, Lord to be free of thorns choking us, Lord. Set us free today. May we live a life of bearing great fruit. Let's just wait on the Lord here before I dismiss you. Go ahead. Where's the day seeds of God's word, Lord, are filled with the power of the resurrection to transform us. 
And so I do want to pray for anyone here online on recording or in this building today. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're one of the seeds on the hard path that is just ready for snatching from the enemy, that can change today. Pray with me right now. Say this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, everybody say it. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my heart and life today. Come into my heart and live there forever. I want to turn away from my ways and turn away from my sin and turn to you. Forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me and wash me new. Take my hurt and pains and give me comfort. I want your new life in me today. To serve you all the days of my life. I want to just bless you now with the ironic blessing given many generations ago to the priest over God's people to live in shalom and to live in God's peace. The Lord bless you, Living Waters family and all those listening. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Everything as it really ought to be. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of his smile of approval of you. For in Christ Jesus you are approved. May you walk under the warmth of his presence and hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. Have a great day. Have a great week. The Lord is your comforter. The Lord is your transformer. He's sowing seed in your heart. Have a great week. Love you guys.